I want to answer this question today as we talk about the Holy Spirit. We've been asking all kinds of questions, like who is he? Is he a person? We want to know who he is, what he's like. We wanted to talk about the fact that he was a person because some people kind of think of him as more like a force, you know, but he's a person. And today I want to answer this question. Is he Pentecostal? Now, some of you already got nervous, right? You are, you're like, oh, no, I like this church and everything. And now we're talking about Pentecostals. It's going to get weird up in here. <sighs> just thought I found a home, too. Listen, I want you to just be, just be put at ease, okay? Like, the Holy Spirit does not make anyone weird. If you meet a weird person talking about the Holy Spirit, you need to know that person was weird before he met the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not going to make you crazy. He's not going to take over your body and you're not going to lose control. In fact, if you are crazy, which some of you are, he'll help you be more stable, actually. <laughs> so isn't that great? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We're going to answer this question. Is he Pentecostal? Because maybe we've been talking about him. You want to know. I want to know. I've heard some stuff about him. I heard he does some things I'm not really sure about. I want to know. Is he Pentecostal? Because I know John's a Baptist. <laughs> so I want to know. Is he Pentecostal? You know, and so the question, it's a good question. It depends is the answer. Is he Pentecostal? It depends. It depends on your definition of Pentecostal because there's a cultural thinking and understanding about Pentecost. And, and there's kind of this cultural thinking that Pentecostal means crazy, that you're legalistic and you got lots of rules, even though people from all different, you know, denominational backgrounds are there are legalistic people in all different groups. Um, some people think, you know, it means it's like very strict that women can't cut their hair or wear makeup, which we're a big fan of makeup. You know, I'm a big fan of it. Not me personally, but like I'm a big fan of it for ladies. Uh, there's nothing going on in my house you don't know about. So <laughs> people think of, that's what they think of when they think of Pentecost, that, that you're talking about crazy church services that are out of control and, and people are fanatically like losing their minds. And so if that's what you mean when you say Pentecost, then no, he's definitely not. But if you mean the biblical definition of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came to fulfill the Feast of Pentecost, that Acts chapter 2 actually happened and that we can experience it today, that the gifts and the power and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is for you today, and that each and every one of you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit in order to live the life that God has called you to. If you mean that, then yes, he definitely is Pentecostal. But of course, you know, we don't want to get too caught up on denominational tags. And I always kind of try to be careful there because you come from different backgrounds. We don't, I, I, the thing is that God doesn't care what you call yourself. Do you believe in Jesus? And then when it comes to, to kind of the specifics, here's the question that you should always ask. Is it in the Bible? I don't care if you call yourself a Baptist. We still baptize people in water. Right? And I believe that the Holy Spirit baptizes people. I don't care if you call it, but is it in the Bible? If it is, we want it. I don't know about you, but I don't walk up to people and say, hi, I'm Ryan. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Pentecostal. I say, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. He's my king. 
And I want every good gift that he has for me as he promises and lays out in his word. I'm not going to close myself off to anything that he offers for me as long as it's laid out in the Bible. Amen? Amen. And you just need to know that I'm an equal opportunity good idea stealer. I believe in stealing good ideas from anyone. So, like, there's things I admire about all the different denominational groups within God's kingdom. They all kind of have their own strengths. And so I'm like, I'm just going to copy that, and I'm going to take some from there. Like, the Baptists, they're kind of known for being really good at teaching the Bible. And I love that, you know. The Pentecostals, they kind of kicked off this whole modern worship movement. So they're good. They're good at worship. You go to any, any modern church around the valley, they're all worshiping in a style that Pentecostals kind of kicked off. And, man, so I'm thinking, like, you know, Put your hands together, Bapticostal, right? <laughs> you know, let's just do it. Let's just do all the good stuff if it's in the Bible, right? So here's the question What is Pentecost? Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 say this When the day of Pentecost arrives, they were all together in one place. So there was unity. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So Pentecost was one of the three major Jewish feasts as laid out in the Old Testament. Now, you, maybe you've heard that there are seven feasts described in the Old Testament. Maybe you've never heard of this before. We're going to talk about it more in the future at some point. But there are three major feasts, and within those feasts are seven total feasts. The three major feasts take place in the first, third, and seventh month of the Jewish calendar, not our calendar that we use today, but the Jewish calendar. There's Passover first. Passover consists of three feasts. The Feast of Passover, which celebrates the spirit of death passing over God's people in Egypt. Then there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the unleavened bread, the leaven, the lack of leaven, represents the lack of sin that God calls us to in our life. Then there's the, the Feast of First Fruits, which is part of, of the greater Passover feast, celebrating the first fruits of the harvest that were coming. Then there's the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost celebrates for the Jewish people when God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. All right, so they celebrate that. God gave the law, um, which is a great, was a great thing. And then there is the feast, the major feast of tabernacles. And the word tabernacle, it means meeting place or meeting together with God. So originally, before the, the people of God, the Israelites had a home base. They had a portable tabernacle, which was the temple. It was a portable temple. It was like a tent of meeting or tabernacle where God's spirit met with his people. Maybe you've been to a church before that called itself like a tabernacle. That's what that word means. Tabernacle was made up of three feasts. There was the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacle. So Pentecost, what we're talking about today, Pentecost was celebrating that 50 days after Passover that happened in Egypt, God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. God led his people with, a sp with his spirit, showed up as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and came down. They all gathered around Mount Sinai. Moses went up the mountain, and God gave him the law, and they celebrated the giving of the law. And that's a good thing to highlight. They celebrated the giving of the law because the law is actually a part of God's grace. I want to point this out because some Christians have the misunderstanding that God's grace is somehow contradictory to the law. 
They're not on two opposite ends of the spectrum. It's not like, well, the law was bad and God's grace is good. The law was part of God's grace because the law showed us God's standard of righteousness. It showed us, guided us into how to live, but also it made us aware of our complete inability to live up to God's standard, which is a part of God's grace, because then we get to understand, well, I can't meet the standard, so I need a savior. That's why you need to understand the law is a part of God's grace. That's why in John chapter 1, it says about Jesus, out of his fullness, we receive grace upon grace. Some of you just had your minds blown. Because out of his fullness, he fulfilled the law and the requirements of the law and the prophets. So he fulfilled it on our behalf, and then he gives us the grace of God the favor of God, which we can never achieve on our own. He comes with a double portion of God's grace. Isn't that good? So Pentecost celebrated the giving of the law. And the word Pentecost, a lot of you get nervous when you hear that word. Pentecost, here's what it means. Penta means five, like the Pentagon. There's five sides to it. And coste in the Greek, it means to the 10th power. So that's literally, it means 50th. This is the word. How many of you have a negative connotation of the word Pentecost? Maybe because of the way you're brought up and you're like, oh, Pentecostals, right? It means 50th. That's what it means. Like you're afraid of the word 50th. That's why you should never be afraid of anything that is in God's word. Okay, don't be afraid of the Bible. God wanted his people to celebrate Pentecost on a particular day. And I want to explain that briefly. Leviticus 23, verse 15. God said this. I want you to read this carefully and try to follow this. From the day after the Sabbath, the Sabbath was on Saturday, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering. He's talking about the Feast of First Fruits, which started on Sunday. Count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath. So that's seven weeks, 49 days. So 50 days total, 50 days later, then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. Here's what this means. Passover, we know the Sabbath day was on Saturday for Jews. Passover was a holiday that could fall on any day of the year. Like, like we have Christmas could fall on a Monday or a Wednesday. Passover could fall on any day. God said, what I want you to do the day you celebrate Pentecost is you wait till the Sabbath after Passover. You count seven weeks from that point plus one day. He wanted them to celebrate Pentecost on Sunday morning. Here's how cool God is. Because God, he knew in advance that his son was going to die for the sins of mankind and that on Sunday morning, he was going to come out of the grave. And the same way that God brought his son to life, brought him out of the grave on Sunday morning, he was planning to celebrate Pentecost and pour out his spirit on his people on Sunday morning. God just wanted those to line up. That's how cool God is, right? He likes math. So he wanted, he wanted this to line up just right. And here's, so here's what happened. Jesus rises again, and he's on the earth for 40 days. He's appearing and preaching. And the Bible says over 500 people saw him alive and preaching again. I mean, that would have really been convincing, I think. You see the resurrected Jesus preaching his sermon. I'm sure he was a great preacher. And... Uh, you got to see him like in, with your own eyes and touch him. And, and so here's G, he's alive. He's preaching for 40 days. 
And 40 is a significant number in scripture. 40 often will signify a, a period of time, a significant period of time that has changed. And so, for example, Noah was on the ark for 40 days. God was judging the earth and, and he was then starting a new period of time through Noah. Or, or here's another example. Moses, he was up on Mount Sinai for 40 days. 40 days, and God was saying, now I'm giving you the law. We're going into a new, a new time period of the Old Testament between God and man, the Old Covenant, 40 days. Jesus, he was in the wilderness fasting for 40 days before the beginning of his ministry. So now Jesus is resurrected, and he's alive on the earth for 40 days, signifying that this is now the beginning of a new era, the New Testament church era. He ascends into heaven, and so he tells his disciples, I want you to wait. They wait and they pray together for 10 days. And 10 is often a number of testing in the Bible. There's 10 commandments that test us. Uh, Daniel was tested for 10 days. Um, the tithe is a 10th. It tests us if we put God first in our finances. Also tests God if he's going to bless us. So they pray for 10 days waiting for God to pour out his spirit. This is, this is cool that God looks like to make all this stuff line up like this. So God wanted this feast of Pentecost celebrated 50 days from the day Jesus rose, celebrating the giving of the law through Moses. What happens at Pentecost? That's the question. Acts chapter 2. It says this in verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. I'm going to talk more about the sound in a minute. And they were bewildered. They were bewildered. They were confused. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So God's people, about 120 disciples were together. And all of a sudden, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there was a loud sound, like we read, a loud sound, like a rushing wind. All people heard it throughout the area that came together. And they heard these 120 disciples. And they were all proclaiming the good works of God in different languages. And it says in Acts chapter 2 that they were like, how is this Galilean, these Galileans, proclaiming God's goodness in my own language? And the thing you got to understand is the Galileans, they were kind of known as uneducated backwoods hillbillies. So the thinking would have been, you know, like, that guy, he can't even speak his own language that well, right? So how is he speaking French right now? That's what, that was happening. So they were bewildered. They were confused. And they were all speaking the wonderful work of God. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this moment. This directly parallels something that happened in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis 11, the people gathered together at what's called the Tower of Babel. And they were going to build a tower to God as a monument of their own awesomeness. Like, we're going to build a tower all the way to heaven because we're awesome. They were gathered at Babel in Genesis 11 in pride. And so what God did was he confused them. He confused their language because up to that point, all the men on earth spoke the same language. And so God said, I'm not going to let you be here gathered in pride. I'm going to confuse your language. He had them all start speaking different languages. And they're all like trying to communicate like I can't understand you anymore. And so they just naturally kind of split up into groups. And they moved off and spread out throughout the nations of the world. That's why there are different nations of the world today. And they speak different languages because God confused their language. Now think about that. And then think about what we just read about happening on the day of Pentecost. 
God's people, they gathered together again in the same way. But this time, instead of being gathered in pride, they were gathered in humility. Instead of being gathered in pride uh, uh, to God, they were gathered in submission to God. Now, they were also confused, but they were confused because they could understand each other speaking and declaring the good works of God. So what happened here? Pentecost, you could say, is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel, where God united people together with a common language of praise. And listen, this is what heaven looks like. This is what's so cool about being a Christian. Heaven is for everyone. And God's message of good news that comes through Jesus Christ is for everyone. Just like in this passage, it said that Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven were there. So they had different color skin. They spoke different languages. This is heaven, right? Every tongue, nation, and tribe will be gathered together and praising God, just like what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's how amazing this event is. Now I want you to understand another connection to the Old Testament. The original Pentecost, this feast celebrated, was God giving the law to Moses. God gave the law to Moses. So what happened at that time was a cloud descended on Mount Sinai. The cloud represented the spirit of God. There was loud noises. There was lightning. And and God wrote his law on tablets of stone. God wrote his law on tablets of stone. As Moses came down the mountain, the people were sinning. God punished the people. 3,000 people died. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended on these people in this upper room. There was also a loud noise, like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. There was also fire, which rested on the heads of each individual person. God wrote his law on hearts of flesh. Peter gets up and preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people are saved. You guys seeing this connection? This is a good book, isn't it? It's a good book. So think about what God did. When God gave the law to Moses, they couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep it. Think about that. The Ten Commandments are not that hard, are they? They're not complicated. Like, don't kill anyone. Don't steal from other people. Don't lie. They're not that hard, are they? But if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, they are. They are hard. Just like what happened on the day God gave the law to Moses, one of the Ten Commandments was do not commit adultery. Another one was do not worship idols. Moses comes down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. What are God's people doing? Having a a, a big worship session of an idol committing adultery. They couldn't even keep the law and the ink wasn't even dry yet. So, but think about that. When God gave his Holy Spirit to his people on the day of Pentecost, he empowered them to do what they could not do on their own. He gave them the ability to live righteously and to keep God's righteous laws and commandments. God said, I'm going to send this Holy Spirit and he is going to write the law of love on your hearts and he's going to empower you to do what you could never do on your own. This is amazing. So here's the question. Can I experience Pentecost? This is an important question. Can I experience Pentecost? Because this all happened a long time ago. In Acts chapter 2, verse 3, it says this. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Each one of them. And they were 
all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so first let me just point out that people get really nervous about this word tongues. It comes from the Greek word glossa. It's where we get our word glossary. So tongues means language. We don't really want to be afraid of the idea of speaking another language, right? Because we live in Arizona. There's a lot of bilingual people here already. So it'd be weird to be afraid of someone who speaks more than one language, right? And then so the other thing we see is that everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. A a, A flame of fire came and rested on each individual person that was in that room, and all were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was about 120 people there, and all kinds of people. There were the 12 disciples of Jesus. They were really close to him. They were called into full-time ministry. Uh, There were like regular dudes, farmers, uh, fishers. There were people that used to live rough lives, you know, tax collectors, prostitutes, um, all kinds of bad people, like Seahawks fans, um, just (laughs) why, why? So so God is for everyone, you know, and... (laughs) Obviously, everyone is welcome. They all received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what would have happened if we were there, if we were there right now, you know, you would have seen a a flame, a tongue of divided fire above my head. Just kind of like, and I would have seen one above your head. And I think you probably couldn't have even seen your own. That's just my opinion. Like, you probably couldn't see your own. You'd be like, where's, where? You know, like, where is it? So, I could see yours, but I couldn't see my own. I had to have faith that I had also received it. Think about this. You receive Jesus Christ by faith. You also receive the Holy Spirit by faith. In the same way that you can't go to the doctor and get an MRI and see Jesus living in your heart, but you have faith that he's changed you and he lives inside, right? The Holy Spirit, he dwells in you, and you receive him by faith. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by by faith. And we see that he's for everyone, not just for pastors, not just for people on the platform leading worship. For every person, the Holy Spirit is available. So the question is, can I experience this? Because that was a long time ago. I wasn't even alive back then. And that's how a lot of people are taught in different denominational backgrounds. Well, that was for them back then. It's not for us Today, well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's look at what the Bible says. In your Bible, go ahead and turn back one chapter to Acts chapter one. It says this, and while they were staying with them, he ordered them, that's Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. I want you to notice that, the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he said, you heard it from me first, John, my boy, baptized with water. And not long from now, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So you're going to wait. They did wait. The Holy Spirit did come. Peter, he was completely transformed before he had the Holy Spirit uh, fill him up. He was nervous Nelly, right? Like he denied even knowing Jesus to a little girl. He was in hiding. Then he receives the whole Holy Spirit, everything the Holy Spirit had for him. He becomes bold Peter. He becomes Hulk Peter, as I like to call him. He stands up and he starts preaching the most killer message ever to these Jews that were gathered around. They came and they gathered around like, what's going on over there? There's loud noise. People speak in different languages. They don't know what's going on. And they were asking him, well, how do I get what you have? 
They asked Peter, what must I do to be saved? Bible says they were cut to the heart. What must I do to be saved? And this is what Peter said to them in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He as a person is a gift, not just a gift of the Spirit, but the gift of him as a person. For the promise, remember that, remember that phrase, the promise? For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So when Peter said for everyone, it's for you, it's for your children, it's for your grandchildren and everyone who's far off, that's a direct reference to me. Just want you to know. But it's also a direct reference to you. All who are far off, we're all far off, long time down the road. Some of us were also far off from God. The promise was for you. Everyone who God calls to himself. Has God called you to himself? Yeah, if you place your faith in Jesus, then you can experience Pentecost. Some people say, well, that was a one-time thing. That was just a one-time thing. Those were special people. It wasn't a one-time thing. There are seven times in the book of Acts where someone is filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 8, 9, 10, 13, and 19. So it wasn't a one-time thing. Obviously, it's crazy to say it's a one-time thing because it happened multiple times if you actually read the Bible. But that happened 2,000 years ago. That was a long time ago. Okay, true, but let me ask you this. Can you be saved? But wait, you weren't alive back then. You weren't alive when Jesus came out of the tomb. But see, Jesus, he opened the door to the Father and made it possible that all could be saved. So we can experience Pentecost in the same way that Jesus opened the door for everyone. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and that was the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about these feasts. There were three major feasts, and they really kind of lay out our salvation experience. Now, understand this. This is really cool. As a Christian, you get to experience the fulfillment of all of these feasts of the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled Passover and made it possible for us to experience the fulfillment of Passover. He went to the cross as the Passover lamb. At 3 p.m. on the cross, Jesus gave up his spirit and died. It was the same time that in the temple, the high priest was cutting the throat of the Passover lamb. The Jewish people, they would then get ready to eat that Passover lamb as part of the Passover supper. So about the time that they were putting the Passover lamb in the oven to roast, Jesus' body was being put in a tomb. Then they started getting ready to celebrate the feast of unleavened bread, representing that there was no sin, the same way that Jesus washed our sins away and made us forgiven. There was also a Jewish tradition where the father would hide a piece of that bread in the home, and then on Sunday morning, he would pull it out, and he would wave it up before God as the initial part of the feast of first fruits, as the first fruit offering to God. At the same time he was doing that, God the Father was bringing his son out of the tomb, who's called the bread of life, as the first fruits offering of the resurrection to come and the beginning of the harvest. This is really cool. Jesus fulfilled Passover. So if you put your trust in him, you've experienced the fulfillment of Passover. 
Now let me talk, I'll come back to Pentecost. Tabernacles is a feast that has not yet been fulfilled, but it will be. It will be. It includes the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Passover, it was fulfilled that one day that Jesus died on the cross for us. Pentecost, it was fulfilled on one day when God poured out his spirit on his people. And tabernacles will also be fulfilled. The Bible says there is coming a day and no man knows the day or the hour that the trumpets are going to blow and Jesus is going to return, that the world will be judged and that those whose names are written in the book of life will be declared not guilty. You will have been atoned for and then you will tabernacle and live with God forever. This is great. So as a believer, even though you live now, you weren't alive back then, you can experience the fulfillment of Passover. You can also experience the fulfillment of tabernacles. What if you're not alive then? doesn't matter because the dead in Christ will rise. You know that, right? So you will experience that fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles as well. So I want to ask you this question, all right? If you can experience the fulfillment of the Feast of Passover and you know you will experience the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, then why would you think you cannot experience the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost as the disciples did, as God's people did? did over 2,000 years ago. You can. You can. So the question is this. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can experience that. But like in Acts 19, Paul asked people, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And what they said was, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. That's how it was for some of you, the church background you were brought up in. You're like, I never even heard about the Holy Spirit. I thought it was Father, Son, and Holy Bible. You know, <laughs> No one talked about the Holy Spirit. He was like the old crazy uncle that nobody wanted to talk about. So I'm asking you this morning, have you fully received the Holy Spirit? Now, I know for me, I initially was resistant to the Holy Spirit and fully receiving him. I, I was, of course, open to the idea of receiving him, but I had a lot of reservations, a lot of concerns, you know? I was like, well, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't know if I want all that. I don't want to have crazy hair, you know? I don't want to, I don't want to become crazy. I don't even know if I want to speak in tongues. I don't know if I, if I want to accept him on those terms. So I'm okay with receiving the Holy Spirit fully if he can behave himself, <laughs> you know? But some people would say, oh, but I believe in Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. And that is completely true. Anyone who has accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So if you've accepted Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. But ask yourself this question. Is it possible to have someone living in your house without being super excited that they're there? You know, some of you, you got their mother-in-law living in the house, and she lives there, but you could say, you probably haven't fully received her. <laughs> so in the same way that a lot of people raise their hand and accept Jesus as their Lord, 
but then they go on maybe struggling in a lot of areas in their life, and then some point down the road, they go, Lord Jesus, I, I haven't fully received you. I've been holding off parts of my life, and, and so now I want to surrender my life to you fully. Forgive me. I receive you. Some of us, we also need to say, Holy Spirit, I know you've been living in me, but forgive me, I have not fully received you. So I'm asking you this morning, do you need to fully receive the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. We want to take away confusion and fear of the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing this message and you're saying, man, this is me. This is me we're talking about here. I have, I've had fear about the Holy Spirit. I have misunderstood him. I've had my perception of him tainted by crazy people. But now I'm seeing that he's a gift and having a relationship with him is the best thing I could ever have. So if that's you and you say, I realize that I have been holding him off at arm's length and now I wanna receive him, then just pray with me right now and say, Holy Spirit, I receive you. I receive you fully. I want everything that you have for me. I want to experience your power. I want your fruit to develop in my life. I want your gifts that you have for me. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I receive you fully. Maybe you're here and you say, I need to accept Jesus. I haven't even received Jesus. That's the thing. If you haven't accepted Jesus yet, that's the most important and first step that you need to take. Maybe you have never given your life to Jesus and accepted him as your savior. Maybe you once did a long time ago, but it, it just honestly didn't stick and you've been far from God for a long time. And maybe this is your first time even coming back to church in years. And you've been wondering, man, does God even still have a plan for me? Is he still open to receiving me? The truth is that he is open to you. He's open to anyone who wants to have a relationship with Jesus. And you can receive him today. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. It's not about being a perfect person or being a member at the right church, but simply this. Do you trust that you're saved only through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. If you believe that he died for your sins and washed your sin away and that he rose again, giving you victory over sin and death, then you can be saved and become a part of God's family. So if you're ready to receive him today, you're feeling that draw. I want you just to know, first off, that the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to Jesus. He draws us, but we have to choose to step forward and accept Jesus. It's up to us. It's our choice to accept him or not. So maybe you're ready to take that step of faith today and accept what he has for you and give your life to him. If you are, I'm gonna ask you just to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Just say, God, I know that I've sinned and fallen short of your standard, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe that he rose again on the third day so that I could also experience victory over death. So Lord, I thank you that you loved me enough to take my place on the cross. Jesus, I want to follow you from this day forward. I fully submit my life to you. Thank you for loving me and thank you that you gave me your spirit so that I would have the ability to live for you and the power to tell other people about you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? This is a good time just to celebrate what God is doing. If you just accepted Jesus as your savior this morning, we want to celebrate with you.
that God has done something amazing in your life today. We're not going to embarrass anyone, and you should never be ashamed to declare that you've accepted Jesus. So what I'm going to do is just say, on the count of three, raise your hand as a way of saying, I accepted Jesus today, and we're going to celebrate with you. Already got hands going up. One, God loves you. I just want to say it again. Two, it's amazing to be part of his family. Three, if you've accepted him, just shoot your hand up and say, that's me, that you accept him as your Lord and Savior. That's awesome. Congratulations.